Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wild Enrichment Podcast, a podcast about zoos, aquariums, animal enrichment, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kyle Benton-Jones, zookeeper, animal lover, enrichment builder, and creator of wildenrichment.com. This is the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wild Enrichment Podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm going to be your host today. Uh, it's just me today, so it's uh, we're just going back to uh, what we were doing a couple episodes ago. So uh, uh, we will have a co-host back in future episodes, but I just wanted to you know get this uh, podcast out uh, pretty quickly. So I uh, decided it would be a good one to do myself. Uh, and this is going to be about a topic that I actually just released an, uh, an article about. Uh, that's titled How to Think Critically and Make Better Decisions in Animal Care. Uh, so I think this is an incredibly important uh, topic to be talking about uh, in animal care because I think it doesn't really get talked about enough and it's not really something uh, that I find a lot of facilities um, and managers are sort of teaching their staff uh, when they're learning to really take care of, uh, of animals uh, within these animal care institutions. So. Um, I really wanted to sort of create this article that uh, sort of just scratches the surface of what, um, you know, thinking critically actually means and how it informs making better decisions uh, within animal care. Um, So really, I think this comes from the fact that I really think that um, critical thinking is probably the most important skill in animal care. You know, as we know, and as I've talked about a lot on this podcast, uh, you know, animal care is evolving and the entire inception around, uh, you know, wild enrichment is talking about a topic that wasn't even really around when uh, even 50, 50 years ago in animal care. So people have been caring for animals for thousands of years with you know, a decent amount of success, but now we're discovering that uh, we're sort of moving that bar up on what success actually looks like and not just, you know, caring for animals isn't just keeping them alive. So, you know, this, it's really about um, keeping their welfare first and really uh, making them thrive in their captive environment as opposed to just sort of staying alive. So I think in order to do that, obviously you need to develop a new skill set that hasn't really necessarily been used um, a whole lot. And you're, you're sort of responsible for most of the variables within this animal's environment, you know, if not all of the variables in their environment, when you're caring for things like fish and sometimes some reptiles, you're really responsible for almost every single variable inside that environment. So being able to think critically and make good decisions about that environment is really going to have a critical effect on the long-term welfare of that animal and sort of, you know, if it's going to thrive or not. So that's really why I think this is a super, super important uh, topic and uh, one that I'm, you know, excited to get into more depth about. And again, if you want some more uh, detail about what I'm talking about, uh, you can check out the article that I'll be referencing throughout this 
um, podcast, and that is How to Think Critically and Make Better Decisions in Animal Care uh, on wildenrichment.com. I've posted on all of my social media as well, at wildenrichment on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so yeah, you can check that out if you want uh, some more uh, context about what I'm talking about and some of the definitions and further reading as well. So I think a good spot to sort of start uh, this uh, podcast off is talking about what is critical thinking. So uh, criticalthinking.org defines the act of critical thinking as um, critical thinking is the intellectually disciplined process of actively and skillfully conceptualizing, applying, analyzing, synthesizing, and or evaluating information gathered from or generated by observations, experience, reflection, reasoning, or communication as a guide to belief and action. So this definition, besides being an absolute mouthful, is really, really broad. This is meant to, this is just critical thinking in general. You know, the brain goes through lots and lots of different critical thinking uh, sort of environments and challenges every single day. So this is sort of a broad uh, definition. I've sort of, um, you know, brought it together in, and because this is obviously a podcast about animal care. So um, I've sort of brought it together uh, as critical thinking in animal care is the process of conceptualizing and evaluating the information gathered from or generated by day-to-day observation and reflection, previous animal experience, natural history, scientific literature, and communication with coworkers as a guide to belief and action. So I think the most important part is a guide to belief and action. Because this is really, you know, going to be basically right there is basically saying that it's going to be informing your beliefs and your actions, which are your decisions. So uh, that's sort of why I want to start with, you know, what actually is critical thinking, because it sort of ties together why critical thinking is related uh, to decision making. Uh, if you uh, weren't really thinking about the two uh, as mutually exclusive, so um, yeah. So you know, I, I think. Uh, a lot of people say like, you know, won't my brain just be doing this anyway? Uh, you know, so why why doesn't it just automatically think critically? And why, why can't I just go off the decisions that I'm making every single day? Why do I need to learn this new skill? Well, it turns out the brain doesn't really work like that. You know, your brain has a lot of the coding and everything that's going on up there isn't necessarily meant for a lot of the decisions uh, in environments it's being put in uh, today just because, you know, uh, a brain uh, developed in a sort of hunter-gatherer, early human uh, sort of environment is not really going to be the same as the brain that we're using uh, right now. So um, there's a lot of things that the brain, everyone's seen in an optical illusion, right? I have, a, have an example of an optical illusion uh, in the article, but it's just one of those classic ones. It's got all the colors and the loops going around and it looks like it's moving, but it's a still image. So this is sort of an example of, this is your brain doing this. This isn't happening you know, on your computer screen in front of you. This is just your brain misinterpreting what it's seeing and it's not you know, thinking critically uh, in air quotes about what it's seeing. It's just giving you what it thinks that you should see. So 
this happens a lot in, you know, not just things that you're looking at, but, you know, information that you're interpreting. So uh, there's things called emotional fallacies and logical fallacies. Uh, there are others, but these are the sort of ones that I wanted to focus on for this article. But um, emotional fallacies are arguments that are designed to appeal to the emotions in order to avoid logical judgment. And logical fallacies are false beliefs caused by errors in reasoning. So let's take an example of what these actually look like. Um, so this is, a, this is sort of a quote uh, right here where I've uh, put some logical fallacies and emotional fallacies in there. Uh, so, you know, this is the quote here. How could you be against a diet increase for the polar bears? This doesn't have to be polar bears. This could be any animal that you work with. Everyone else on our team supports it. She is currently only eating once a day and looks so sad when you give her the diet that she is currently being fed. So this, uh, that quote there is, I'm sure everyone can adapt it to their sort of uh, circumstances and whatever animals you're caring for, but I'm sure uh, this might sound relatively familiar to you. If it doesn't, that's great. If it does, I'm sure you're uh, definitely in the majority. So um, the first fallacy used in the above sentence is an emotional fallacy called uh, the bandwagon fallacy. And this emotional fallacy is used on the individual to make them feel bad for not getting on a bandwagon and agreeing to be with a majority. So saying everyone else on our team supports it, you're trying to make the person feeling feel bad for being the only one that doesn't support it. And, you know, peer pressure, everyone knows, is super, super effective. So this is a very effective um, sort of weapon to be used against uh, logical judgment, especially in a group uh, setting and, you know, in a small team setting, it can be very, very effective. So uh, that's the first one. The second fallacy used in the sentence is called uh, the anthropomorphic fallacy, which is the fallacy of applying human emotions to aspects of nature, such as animals. And, you know, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, it's wrong necessarily to apply emotions, human emotions to animals. Uh, because they do experience emotions, there's lots of science saying they do, but I feel like there's not a lot of science saying that we know how to interpret them. So do you actually know what a sad polar bear looks like? Probably not. So it's, it's definitely, you're walking on thin ice uh, by, you know, using this sort of, uh, this sort of fallacy uh, in this uh, above statement, because chances are you're not you're not necessarily interpreting those emotions properly. So, um, yeah. So that's uh, sort of you know I just picked a picked one sentence that sort of uh, has a few in there, but uh, we'll just go through a few others that are very very common um, that I've heard a lot in my career uh, that I'm sure you have too, and we'll just identify these and uh, so you know what they look like and give examples for each. So uh, the next one is a false analogy. So comparing two things together that are thought to be similar, but in, are in fact not similar at, at all. So uh, the example for this, I observed my dog doing this. So the wolves are also likely to react this way. Uh, I picked wolves because obviously uh, it seems similar, but anybody that's worked with wolves uh, can definitely attest to the fact that they're not like your dog at home. Uh, so there's also a hasty generalization which is making sweeping generalizations without a large enough sample size 
uh, to basically make it uh, evidence. So I worked with spider monkeys before, and they were and they never interacted with enrichment. So this monkey won't like enrichment either. So this is an example. Uh, just because you've worked with spider monkeys before that don't like enrichment does not necessarily mean that this spider monkey that you're working with won't like enrichment either. Uh, and then scare tactics, arguing that a specific position must be taken in order to avoid problems. So you can call this fear mongering, you can call this whatever you want, uh, but here's an example. Animals die from enrichment devices, so we shouldn't give our animals enrichment. Uh, this is one that you unfortunately hear a lot, and uh, this is a scare tactic uh, because it's effective. Obviously, no one wants to hurt an animal or even worse, kill uh, an animal with something that was supposed to enrich their life. So it's very effective, but it is a fallacy nonetheless. And then there's argumentum ad hominem. So this is also just called ad hominem but it's attacking someone's character in order to prove an argument. Uh, unfortunately, this does happen quite a bit. Uh, here's an example. Management is greedy and I don't care and don't care about animals. Therefore, we shouldn't support this decision. Uh, this can also uh, you know, come in the way of if one of your coworkers is off and another coworker is trashing them, uh, it's going to make you think differently about sort of the decisions and suggestions that they are sort of bringing to the table and, you know, other projects that you'll be working on them with. And that's why it's a fallacy because it's not necessarily evidence. Uh, someone's character doesn't necessarily prove, um, someone's interpretation of their character doesn't improve, uh, doesn't prove uh, that their decisions are good or bad. So speaking of good or bad decisions, what makes a decision a good decision? So I think, uh, you know, decisions that are brought about based on the fallacies that we explored earlier will almost never be good decisions as they're almost always completely devoid of logic and evidence. So being able to spot, you know, when these fallacies are being used in an explanation of why a certain individual took the actions they did can be a really useful skill because if you can spot those uh, emotional or logical fallacies uh, in their explanation, you probably know that that decision was a bad one and it wasn't grounded in actual evidence. Um, so a good decision is actually defined as uh, one that is logical, critical, and pragmatic. And there are uh, Three that's the three components that sort of separate a good decision from a bad decision. And I just want to make a distinction here. You know, whether a decision turned out to be the right one or the wrong one does not make a decision fundamentally good or bad. Uh, you know, we're animal care staff and we are often operating without handbooks on, you know, how to set up an animal introduction plan or an enrichment plan. We've just, we're just operating with the best evidence and logic we can pull together. And that's generally through carefully analyzed anecdotes that are free from logical or emotional fallacies and instead approach the problem through practical and a well thought out means. So it doesn't, even if your decision turns out to be wrong, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad decision if it was founded in this, you know, the best evidence that you had at the time, because that's really all you can do. So this isn't, you know, how to make decisions that are, right. This is a, an article about how to make decisions that are good because 
you know, you can't predict which is going to be the right decision or the wrong decision a lot of the time with animals because you just don't have the evidence. So you can only make good decisions that are founded in, that are logical, critical, and pragmatic. So let's talk, you know, um, how to actually make better decisions and avoid being an emotional elephant. And I'll explain what the concept of an emotional elephant is. I sort of created it for this article. So we'll sort of uh, touch on that in uh, just a few minutes. Um, but as I said earlier, you know, uh, you know, making better decisions isn't something that just, uh, you know, happens to people randomly. It's a skill and it can be learned and practiced throughout your career. And it really should be at the forefront of your mind uh, for you to develop throughout. So, uh I just want to make a quick note here. It's often thought that experience, uh, which is sometimes referred to as seniority, uh, depending on your facility, uh, is the primary driver toward making good decisions. And people with less experience are not taken seriously on their opinions or are held at you know a less than face value in decision making meetings. So this tendency is not only something that is irresponsible, but also completely false experience as as a whole is irrelevant when not giving context you know if someone experiences and you know if their experiences and interpretation of those experiences is largely based on some of the emotional fallacies and logic fallacies that we were talking about previously then it's not an all at all an indicator of superior of a superior knowledge bank that will result in better decision making. You know, if you are aren't interpreting your experience properly, then having that experience is is not necessarily uh, conducive to uh, making better decisions. So, in fact, uh, the act of stating something is true based on the fact that an expert in quotation marks said it was true is in fact a logical fallacy, and that's called the appeal to authority. Uh, so one of the first steps you can take uh, to making better decisions is by using all the data sources that you have at your disposal, including uh, you know some that you might view less experienced than yourself uh, and everybody you know on your team. So as we stated before, good decisions are logical, critical, and pragmatic. Let's start with being logical and critical. So always start any decision-making process by running through your primary arguments for your decision with your team or in your head and analyze them for any of the fallacies that we discussed previously. And you can definitely do your own research um, on different, uh, different fallacies as well, uh, but really ask yourself if this is a logically sound argument. You know, what are your data sources for the, that are informing this decision? And if all of the data sources you are using are completely anecdotal from your experiences, uh, you might want to get another opinion or look at the literature for more data to avoid uh, the biases that might be that you might have. And it's totally fine to have biases; uh, everybody does. But to avoid these, you might want to, you know, uh, talk to other people on your team and to. Uh, listen to your team as, as a whole when, when you're explaining these things to them. So uh, I, I think it's important to listen to your team and the people around you more than you're actually speaking, especially in a meeting. You know, when you were listening, you're getting twice the amount of information that you'd be getting when you're talking. You know, you're getting the information uh, that you're listening to and the information coming from your own thoughts. So you're interpreting uh, that information as well as you know, 
listening to yourself. So when you're the only one speaking and the only and the one saying the most in the meeting, really take the time and let others speak in case you are bulldozing other people's opinions without even realizing it. Another thing you can do in a meeting is assess your reaction when your opinion is challenged. If you are immediately uh, you know, getting emotional and defensive over this opinion, then you might be an emotional elephant, as I said earlier. And uh, this concept sort of makes a little bit more sense when you see, uh, when you think of the old saying, you know, uh, being an elephant in the room, it's very, very obvious and it can completely disrupt everything around you. Uh, I really think this is one of the worst things to have in a meeting. You know, emotional elephants grind all effective decision-making to a halt and they won't allow their opinions to get challenged and criticized. And everyone's been there in an argument or when people get emotional in a debate, they often have the tendency to lean on logical fallacies such as ad hominem, especially uh, to hide the fact that their argument was not at all based on being logical, critical, and pragmatic. Great decisions are often the brainchild of healthy debate. So do your best not to be married to your decisions uh, or your opinions. They do not define you and you should drop them at the first sign of weakness. So uh, emotional elephants, we'll just talk a little bit more. Um, Emotional elephants will often raise their voices in meetings to make sure they're not the only ones being heard over everyone else. Sorry, to make sure they are being heard over every everybody else, and that really further bulldozes, uh, you know, other people's opinions and data points. Especially, you know, not everybody is comfortable uh, always speaking in a meeting. So having one emotional elephant that's just crushing everybody else's opinions uh, can be really, really disheartening for somebody trying to get a, uh, you know, a potentially logical p- opinion in. So. People often find themselves stuck on one particular point of an argument instead of looking at the problem as a whole and finding the best solution. An inability to effectively take criticism will often lead emotional elephants to just make decisions on their own instead of consulting their team or the appropriate chain of command, uh, which is which can be often very, very detrimental to the animals as well as uh, inter-team and interdepartmental trust. You know, everybody's worked with somebody that just goes off, makes a bunch of decisions without consulting their team, and these decisions often end up being bad ones. So, um, yeah, it's really important to really utilize a lot of the resources around you. And for for most of us, you know, the best resource is the people that we work with. So, uh, really consulting them and making sure you're being introspective when you're in those meetings and in those team environments. Um, so last part of a good decision is that it has to be pragmatic. So, you know, this is one that gets often overlooked because it's easy to make, uh, you know, decisions that aren't necessarily practical because you're just snowballing off of each other and the solution gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more complex. And eventually it gets to the point where it can't even be, it's never going to get done. So it's, I, I, I'm of the thinking that, you know, a decision that actually is one that can get done, uh, you know, the simplest decision is often the better one, you know, especially when you work in a large institution, uh, you need to be aware of the potential need for other departments involvements in your decision and the potential timeline adjustments that need to come of that. So really think, think practical when you're making these decisions and actually make sure that they can be achievable and get finished within a you know, a reasonable amount of time.
So uh, you might be thinking, you know, how can I teach others around me to be objective? It's one thing to make yourself uh, thinking critically and, um, you know, being objective, but it's another to actually get your team on board or to get the people around you um, that you work with uh, to actually think this way as well. And it can be very, very uh, disheartening when when you're you feel like you're the only one thinking critically. So, you know, teaching others to be objective and to ultimately make better decisions is one very important thing from a team leader, especially uh, to keep in mind at meetings and in day-to-day decision-making. One of the first steps a leader can take toward making sure their team makes good decision is to actually talk about some of the information that has been presented in this article. You know, talk about logical and emotional fallacies and how to avoid them. Steer meetings toward effective and critical discussion and don't let your team get stuck in the weeds of ineffective discussion. Everybody's been in those meetings where you feel like you've you've talked for two hours and you've got absolutely nothing done. Uh, you haven't made any decisions. Those are useless meetings. Those are a waste of time. Focus on what you need to do and focus on actually having that discussion that is benefiting everybody around you or you're just wasting your time. So Another thing you can do is actually identify the emotional elephants on your team. Uh, you know, if, if you have any, not every team does have these people that sort of stand out in the meetings as, uh, you know, what we talked about earlier, but, and also make sure you're not one yourself, that you don't want to be the sneaky emotional elephant in the room. So, uh, you know, try to experiment with ways of getting the emotional elephants involved in critical discussion more often and steer them away from, uh, the logical, you know, and emotional fallacies that they might have that are really affecting their logic and reasoning. Uh, you know, maybe even starting with things that aren't super, they aren't super passionate about, uh, and sort of, you know, eventually getting to the things that are really, uh, hot button issues or, uh, things that you uh, might, might be harder to get them on board about. So, You know, the best teams are always created when fostering a space of discussion and debate where everyone can present their ideas and opinions without fear of being ridiculed or immediately shot down. Um, You know, everybody, that's that's pretty well known. So try to really, really focus on that when you're uh, having these meetings. Um, Another practice uh, is to get in the habit of um, admitting that you don't know the answer to certain questions that may be raised during the decision-making process because it's just true. Yeah, you know, instead of answering, um, you know, with uh, something that wouldn't be true or logical, you know, using a logical or emotional fallacy instead of um, the actual truth, which is a lot of the time I don't know, uh, is very detrimental because that's going against the uh, everything that we've just talked about. So, you know, when you're asked about how an animal is going to react to an enrichment item and you should be answering with i'm not sure but i don't see any potential harm in trying uh it's that's always going to be better than i give my dog at home something similar and they loved it so much i'm sure the tiger will love it as well you know so those are the kind of things you don't actually know how the tiger is going to react to a certain enrichment item you might have other tigers that you've worked with that react one way but this tiger might also react completely different. So instead of saying, um, instead of using some of the, you know, the fallacies that we've talked about, just don't be afraid of saying, I don't know. Uh, and, and hopefully that will sort of help steer everybody in the right direction. So 
I think one of the most important things to keep in mind when decision making in animal care is that you know, emotional elephant or not, everyone in the industry is making decisions based on the fact that they think the decision is going to benefit the animal. Um, you know, I've talked about this in other articles, but even if you have no idea how someone could make a certain decision, you can generally say with confidence, especially in this industry, that they, you know, these people made the decision because they thought it was the right one at for the animal at the time. So, you know, not because they were trying to deliberately harm uh, animal welfare or anything like uh, team dyma- dynamics. You know, the purpose of this article is not to divide teams or pit people against each other. It's to provide a roadmap for people to make better decisions that will hopefully improve animal welfare as a whole. So always keep that in mind uh, when you're approaching any of these topics with your team. Everyone's coming at these decisions, no matter how crazy their their decisions uh, and reasoning may, may seem to you, uh, they're doing it because they think it's the right decision that's going to benefit the animal. So, you know, come at with come at it with compassion and uh, understanding. And you know, everyone's been there. So, uh, yeah, that's that's sort of uh, a lo- the gist of what I wanted to uh, get across in this podcast. I definitely think this is something that I'm going to do um, uh, explore in more de- in more depth uh, because I think it's a very very important issue and something that a lot of teams need to practice and a lot of people will benefit from. So um, definitely look out for more content, uh, maybe some webinars or some courses or something like that on critical thinking. Um, And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, Thanks so much again for listening. If you have any feedback or uh, any questions or anything like that, uh, you can go on to wildenrichment.com. You can email me at uh, kyle at wildenrichment.com or go to the contact us uh, section of the website you can also reach out on social media which is at wild enrichment on instagram and facebook i will respond to you there so i'd be happy to uh, talk uh, more about some of the issues that we've talked about here and uh, if anybody is uh, looking for more information those are the best ways to contact me so thanks again for listening and we will see you next time thank you Wild Enrichment is independently owned and claims no affiliation to any zoo, aquarium, or other animal care institutions. All of the information and opinions communicated through this podcast, wildenrichment.com, and affiliated social media accounts are based on my own opinions and experiences and are not in any way reflective of the opinions of my employers past or present. Thank you.